our fight is not against the Democrats. It's against the devil. It's the other D word. You know, we often forget about the warfare, spiritual warfare. Principalities, cities have different regions with different issues and different police enforcement agencies have different provincial jurisdiction over certain conditions and issues that are confronting cities. So the narcotics officer is not the homicide division, it's not the gang detail, it's, it's not the sex trafficking detail, it's not the intelligence detail that deals with the internet or the IT. There are angels that deal with that and then it's not the federal or foreign interference, foreign actors entail something entirely different. So you have different angelic forces and powers on the earthly level that address the various things that you will confront in life. Rather it is sexual or rather it is drug related or rather it is political uh, or financial that deal with the treasury agents, mostly the secret service. So you're dealing with all of the various departments that have different jurisdiction and different specialties. And so it works similarly on the negative side. The spirit of darkness has different points of expertise. Rather, it's moving guns or moving or moving humans for human trafficking. If it's not moving that, it's moving drugs or contraband items and you'll get the Border Patrol and the U.S. passport agents that deal with all of the things that the Commerce Department has to address. Or corporate espionage. Or the SEC security agencies. We have different demonic provinces and different areas of the country have different issues. We know Colombia and Mexico in Afghanistan for opium. They're all different centers, different points for moonshine and illegal alcohol. The Appalachian region of Virginia or the Deep South or the moving of spies, Hawaii and the Pacific Northwest. You have all kinds of demonic kingdoms set up and then the angels set up to deal with it. Rather it's along the border in the El Norte region or what they call the New France region in America, which is the Bayou area of the Gulf, Louisiana, Mississippi, or the Deep South and the various issues that confront the Deep South, particularly along the lines of racial groups, white supremacist groups, the greater Appalachian region has a different need for law enforcement and a different spiritual darkness than it would along the deep south touching the Floridian Peninsula or the Tidewater area, which would run from D.C. to South Carolina border, Virginia, North Carolina, Delaware, Delaware New Jersey. All of these are areas of spiritual control, regional demonic dominions, the Midland areas, the Ohio Valley, 
and you get into the different parts of that that stretch up on the Great Lakes and then the Yankadam area, the northern area. You get into New Hampshire and Maine and Boston and just a slither that's called the New Netherland and that's where people settled. The left coast, as it's referred to as the coastal region stretching from California all the way up to Oregon. And then of course the far west, the biggest swath of one singular area. That would also include, however, Alaska and parts of Canada. These regions of the country have portions of spiritual battles that take place in the spiritual realm that manifests in the natural realm of life. And each of these regions will reflect that. Yankadam, as they refer to it, is really those highfalutin New Englanders, very high in education. New York, Michigan also encompassed parts of that attitude and pieces of Minnesota. They're known for their utopian strength, hence Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. That area was settled originally by what's called radical Calvinist. The New Netherlands and New York area has a materialistic culture. No wonder it's the center of fashion and the financial district. Highly commercial. But the New Netherlands is a materialistic, profound tolerance of ethnic and religious diversity because that's where everybody came from every ethnicity to settle in those communities in New York and the world. They have a commitment to freedom, conscience. And according to Woodard, who wrote the book on it, it's a naturally ally with the Yankadam and encompasses New York and Northern New Jersey. That was settled by the Dutch. The Midlands is largely located in the Midwest. We call it a lot of portion of that, the Bible Belt. And they were settled by the English Quakers, no wonder. Quakers, brethren and Mennonites, they're welcoming middle-class society, bread and butter potato kind of people, meatloaf. Political opinion is very moderate. Government regulation is frowned upon. They believe in the power of the people, individual, the state, separate from the state. And they are a great swing region within the Midlands. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska. Then you have the Tidewater, which is considered a feudal society. Uh, Embrace slavery, actually. They were built by the young English gentry, as they say in this area, the Chesapeake Bay, Baltimore, and North Carolina, where most of the plantations were, where my family comes from. So the feudal society embraced slavery. The region placed a high value on the respect of authority and tradition, very high in tradition, the Tidewater area, the Potomac River. And that's on the decline. That's from D.C. all the way to Carolinas and Norfolk, Virginia. And that's on a decline. And you go further east of that region, you get into Appalachian. That encompasses Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, Texas. And part of most of them are people that are married to their brothers or sisters, first and second cousins. A lot of inbred. That's where they go in those churches and they dance with snakes. They're a little bit on the wilder side, probably the Putney, Cockney side of England, the, <laughs> the lower class. They would consider that from the colonized people from England, the settlers, the war ravaged borderlands of Northern Ireland and England, the Scottish lowlands and the greater Appalachia stereotyped as the land of hillbillies and rednecks. The Appalachian values personal sovereignty. And they do individual liberty. They want the government out. You can see that similarity in Idaho, in the Dakotas, 
They're intensely suspicious of any lowland aristocrats and Yankee social engineers that are trying to re-engineer society outside of their rather puritanical beliefs. And it sides with the Deep South, which is strict in authority and tradition, to counter the influence of federal government overreach within the greater Appalachia or parts would be considered Tennessee, uh, West Virginia, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Indiana, Illinois, Texas. The Deep South was established by English slave lords um, from Barbados and was styled as a West Indies style slave society. And it was in the Carolinas. It's a very rigid social structure. Uh, the the um, climate is very similar to that uh, of those slave islands in the Barbados and the types of products that they, that they, they would grow and farm. It was a very rigid social structure and class divisions, fights against government regulations and threatens. That's the whole point of the history of our civil war, the threaten against the Yankeedom, against the slave deep south attitude. And that threatens individual liberty. Hence why the president had to send the National Guard into Alabama. So Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, and Texas, Georgia, and South Carolina, below the Mason-Dixon line, as they call it, that's a part of the deep south. They do not change easily. El Norte has a dominant Hispanic culture. And as you'll get into the Mexican-American territory, where it's into Arizona and California and parts of Texas, and you'll see that highly influenced by uh, Northern Mexico, borderlands of Spanish-American empire, and our forming El Norte, as it's called, a place apart from the rest of America, according to his book. Hispanic culture dominates in those areas, a Tex-Mex kind of cuisine. And the region values independence and self-sufficiency, hard work above all else. Parts of Texas would include both Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California, and Norte. On the left coast, well, that's on another area. You're going to San Francisco, Portland, Washington, Seattle, that whole area, uh, Sacramento and up. And obviously parts of Los Angeles, down to San Diego. But the coastal California is a lot like Yankedom and greater Appalachia. California is it's a big co conflation a consortium of a, of a high mix because everybody back east went west so they were colonized by New Englanders and Appalachian Midwesterners they left the coast as a hybrid as I was saying kind of a mix of Yankee utopianism and Appalachian self-expression and exploration a lot of people left and came west to do things they would never do in the Midwest or in the east to explore and find new ways of economy. The gold rush got that spurred on. Woodward says, adding in his book that it's the staunchest of all the Yankee Coastal California, Oregon, and Washington uh, considered what we call the left coast. On the far west spans in the central part, the heartland of the Bible Belt, U.S., including Montana, Wyoming, and Utah. Conservative West developed through large investment in the industry and they were inhabitants to continue to resent the Eastern interests that initially were controlled only by investment. Far West spans from those several states, including Idaho, Montana, Utah, Nebraska, Arizona, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington, Oregon, California, all a piece of that, particularly um, if you're on the coast of California, the Eastern. Um, California. A pocket of liberalism is nestled in the deep south, obviously. Uh, tolerant, comfortable with government involvement in the economy. And that's where you get a very strong democratic um, minority sect that believes everything is going to be by the hand of the government. That's it. But you'll get that in the, the French influence. 
of the Bayo, New Orleans. North America, New France was focused around New Orleans, Louisiana, as well as the Canadian province of Quebec. So that area is very much reliant on government handouts, government intervention. Hence the whole attitude about the hurricane, the president didn't care about black people. It's all about what the government can do. Not really what the people do, what the government can do for them. And that is a very French bourgeoisie kind of belief system. The First Nation, most of those people live in northern part of the country, is where you get along the border of Canada and in Canada, the Dakotas, uh, the Sioux Indians, the Native Americans, the First Nation members uh, of those do enjoy sovereignty in the U.S., but their population is rather dwindled and very small, no more than uh, less than 400,000, 300,000 plus. Uh, but that just gives you the idea, culturally, of the political layout of the land in, in our early stages. But with that being said, if you look at each of those, you find the problems that come along with that. Or rather, you're talking about casinos, or you're talking about reservations, or you're, you're talking uh, about gambling. And you're talking about, you can see if you section the country off in each of those historical progressions, that you will see what happened with the psyche, the culture, the faith, the politics, the relationships, and the development of mutation and values and what was going to have values. The country is, it's multiple countries really tied up in one nation. Um, not so sure we're one nation under God. We're one nation under many different ethos and politics have come together. The whole country comes together when it's an existential threat uniformly against the country as a whole, but the country is very divided within itself when it comes to who's going to control the heart and soul of these various regions, the left coast, the far west, the El Norte region of the Tex-Mex area, the deep south, the greater Appalachian, the Midlands, the New France, the Yankadam, the New Netherlands, and the Tidewater area. Who's going to control the air, the idea and the ethos? What's going to be the dominant curriculum intellectually and morally and spiritually and economically? And that is the problem when electing one president. I mean, but if you really look at America and break it down, it should actually have one, two, three, four, five. It should have five presidents. And this should be broken up into five different countries that have to relate to each other. And that is the problem in America. And that then translates to the spiritual message of how, as believers in God, you combat the war. And the war continues to keep getting more and more diverse and complicated as people are moving outside of regions that have a dominant thought and are mixing and intermixing and further dissecting and breaking apart into multiple pieces and subcategories of other hybrid versions. So they're one nation, my God. No, no more one nation. There isn't a one nation. There are so many different gods in this country and so many different ways that people want to go that when they do go that way, they go into other areas where people have settled on what they want to be and who their identity is, and then they corrupt those or convert. If they're not corrupting, they're converting those, but decimating old traditions until one of the groups takes over all of the groups to bring the entire group, the entire 
five-part country under one thought, one idea, one God, one world, one antichrist system. And that is what's going to happen spiritually based on the prophecies of the Bible of the end-time apocalypse. In their quest for utopia, they will move themselves into complete dystopia and collapse. And that is what you can look forward to. Just a little history to give you guys an overview. Rather quick, but you can spend more time and learn more. Happy holidays.